0: to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy and I am your host. And before I get started today, uh, I wanted to just take a moment to say thanks to all the people who have written. You can always write to me, InflationGuy at EnduringInvestments.com. For all the people who have posted this podcast to other people, um, who have you know, re- referred others uh, where this is our 29th episode and we've had 17,000 downloads or so. And th- that seems like a lot. I don't, I'm, I'm a novice. I don't really know a whole lot about this stuff, but it sounds like a lot of downloads. So uh, to the extent that it is, I just want to thank everybody for, for your support. And, and like I said, for referring others. So now let's talk about what we came to talk About today, and that is housing. But today, actually, I'm going to talk about housing, but not for housing's sake. Uh, Housing, I'm. We've had a couple of housing numbers, um, some housing data over the last week or so, and and it is it is really illuminating. Uh, The reports last week and this week, and the reaction to them amongst investors and the press. Illustrates marvelously some some errors, some cognitive errors that are being made right now. And I'm always fascinated with cognitive errors. I think that it's 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 really interesting. And if you're if you're an investor, if you're a trader, you you kind of that's sort of what you traffic in is is trying to figure out, you know, what is the other guy thinking and and you know trying to catch him when he's not thinking right, buying stuff that's too cheap because people have made a mistake. Uh, buying you know selling stuff that's too dear because people have made a mistake and and obviously markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent but that's still I think the the fascinating thing about market study uh, and and frankly in my case in studying economics uh, is is the idea that the economic actors you and me were not rational and, and and more than that, we're irrational in some very predictable ways, and so it's really interesting to read about you know different experiments where they sort of induced irrationality, um, you know the endowment effect or the uh, you know loss aversion, and they get really really quirky results because they know how they can uh, how they can induce people to make these sorts of errors. There have, actually, there have been a lot of really great books uh, published on this topic in the last few years as behavioral economics has has become uh, more and more interesting to more and more people. Um, you know, there are Animal Spirits by Akerlof and Schiller, uh, Misbehaving by Richard Thaler, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, Nudge by Thaler and Sunstein. You know, all of these are about about cognitive errors. And but it's one thing to sort of recognize that you you can create these these mistakes in a lab. It's something really different to sort of see them in practice and And from an inflation guy's standpoint, what's interesting is that we are in a a fantastic laboratory for these errors right now because we have twenty five years when we didn't have any inflation, and so we totally forgot how to think about. About prices and about the price level, and so now to to watch people make mistakes that are predicated on on that that erroneous learning that inflation that the price level doesn't matter um, is really fascinating. So uh, I want to talk about three of these errors and in, in, in the context of, of of housing, and and one of them really isn't a I mean, it's a behavioral error, but it's it's maybe not in the same kind of sense as as you know the Daniel Kahneman behavioral error. But it's it's the classic one of fighting the last war. You know when you look around and you read about about the things that people are saying about housing right now, and and how you know houses are are too expensive, and and so foot traffic is way down. You know if you look at some of the The uh, housing surveys, or you know, the the the, how bad affordability is, and and that leads some people to 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 say, "Wow, we're going to have this big housing bust." Um, you know, so let me recap the data we got over the last week. There's kind of two big reports. One of them was the the uh, existing home sales report last week, and then the new home sales report this week, and just in case you're not familiar with those, with those reports, the existing home sales report is the big one that that covers most sales. You know, most homes uh, that are bought and sold in the in the United States obviously are existing home sales because the existing stock is much larger than the stock of new homes being built, and so that's the one we really care about. and And last week, um, there was a, a a disappointment in the number of, of homes that. That were, uh, that were sold. Not a major disappointment, but a minor disappointment. Um, sales fell 2.4%. They'd been expected to fall a little bit, but maybe not that much. Uh, but interestingly, you know, I don't look at, those, at, at that data, at any of the housing data for, for unit sales. I actually look at it for, for prices. And the, the median price of an existing home rose 4.4% month-on-month month in, in April. Um, fourteen point eight percent year on year, but only two years since the year two thousand. In, in only two years, has the April increase in prices been that large? Housing housing prices are very very seasonal. You know, they they tend to to rise a lot early in, in the year, um, and, and so April tends to be a a big month. But even even with that. The 4.4% we got was was bested by only two months out of the last 22 uh, years. Only two Aprils, I should say. And one of those was um, in, in the years leading up to the bubble in 2005. And one of them was a couple years after the bubble had burst and we were bouncing. So they were very unusual circumstances. So it was a big, big price gain. The new home sales data um, was in terms of unit sales, really bad. It was 15% uh, worse than expected. And and so the number of new home sales is now, which had sort of boomed over the last year or so, is now kind of back to uh, the high end of, of what had uh, uh, the levels we'd been seeing prior to COVID. So, but they really sort of, you know, belly flopped. Um, In terms of unit sales, in terms of prices, the the median price of a new home went up 3.6 percent month on month, and again about 14 14.6 percent year on year. So again, big big price gains, even though fewer units are turning over. And so you listen to you read what people are writing about this, and 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 a surprising number of them are writing uh, as if they're anticipating a housing bust because of course, you know, we've just seen this big run up in prices. And the last time we saw a big run up in in prices in, you know, the mid 2000s, we then saw a horrible bust and we saw prices plunge. And in fact, you know, going into that event, it was commonly said that that we'd never seen housing prices decline on a nationwide basis in a calendar year before. Um, And Depending on how you define it, that was true. And it's very, very rare um, for houses all over the place to be going down. You can have individual markets that, that you know where you have bubbles and busts, but it's very, very unusual to have the whole nation do that. And the reason it happened was for a very, very unusual circumstance, and that was that banks were were in horrible shape. They were ridiculously overlevered to housing and um, and so you had this contagion that passed through these these poorly capitalized banks, or banks that turned out to be poorly capitalized. And so and that ended up getting communic. you know, so housing prices started to go down. People started mailing their keys back to the bank. The banks had to flush them out because they couldn't afford to carry them. And that led to this big housing bust. We are not anywhere close to that circumstance right now. The inventory of existing of, of homes that are out there um, is, is incredibly low. Um, there is... Um, there, there's fewer than one million existing home sales, uh, existing homes for sale out there. Fewer than one million, the lowest we've ever had in April. Um, until last year, we'd never seen an inventory of less than a million homes out there, going back to as far as the data goes, which is to the early '80s. And so, you know, we're not we're not really in the same circumstances we were in 2007 when we had you know burgeoning inventories of homes and everybody kind of wanted to get, you know, collect their winnings and, and go. So error number one, fighting the last war. This is a very different housing market. Moreover, the support for the housing market, the banking support for the housing market is a very, very different thing. Lending standards have not gone all crazy like they did in 2007. So it's a different thing. And, and so I, I would not expect the same outcome anyway. Error number two is a theoretical error. And now we get into sort of the really sort of fun, the fun things. And, and, and that's this idea that um, because home sales are going down, therefore prices should go down too. And so this is really a, um, this is tied up in the same kind of misconception that I'm always talking about with respect to GDP generally that you know deflation is not caused by a lack of growth. You can easily have prices and quantities doing different things. And it's less true in a in a if you're looking at a particular product market like housing than it is in in if you look at the entire economy. But we have the backdrop here of a an epic rise in the money supply that is a a tide of money and that is pushing the price level higher and this is where we get into this this problem that people don't know how to think about the price level it for a quarter century it was okay to have sort of the uh, shorthand of assuming the price level didn't change very much because it didn't change very much. But now it is. Now the amount of money in the system also, you know, it never used to change a whole lot. Now it changed a whole lot. And so we are seeing a step change in the price level and people are not very good at sort of thinking about that. People are thinking about waves, you know, something goes up and then it goes down, it goes up, and goes down. But they forget about the tide because for a long time we've been in this situation where the tide was turning and it wasn't doing a whole lot. But now the tide is coming in. And so regardless of what the waves are doing, you know, the waves are going to hit higher and higher on the beach. And it doesn't matter how, how much of how much the wave is going back out. If the tide is coming in, it's eventually going to swamp everything. And so, you know, just to kind of put some numbers on it just for funsies. You know, since 2010, the money supply, M2, uh, has risen 148%. By the way, a lot of that in the last you know, couple of years. And home prices are up 122%. So, you know, the amount, based on the amount of money in circulation, the dollar is worth less than it was, and home homes valued in dollars are worth more, but not those numbers aren't aren't outlandishly different if anything you'd look at that and say well maybe housing prices should be up a little more than that and and in, in fact if you go and you look at if you go back further so i said 2010 because i wanted to measure from the trough of the of the bubble of, of the post bubble bust for houses so let's you know be as flattering as possible about how much home prices have gone up and even being super flattering about that, uh, money, the money supply has grown faster. And in fact, if you look at the two, the two charts side by side, you'll see that the inflection in home price acceleration uh, a couple of years ago exactly coincides with the inflection in the money supply growth. So not, not super surprising. Um, home prices are going up to a new level driven by these tides. Now, if you go back back to 99, you'll see that, um, you know, M2 is up 370% and, and home prices, and now we have a, a bubble and a bust in there, home prices are only up 271%. So, you know, again, you know, it's, it's arguable whether home prices should go up as much as the money supply. Um, probably not. But just as a rationality check it just doesn't sound like it's like home prices are wildly out of kilter it it seems like given the fact that the unit we're measuring prices in is is becoming less valuable it doesn't seem at all inconsistent that home prices should should go higher so in the same sense that we can have stagflation we can have growth go down and still have inflation go up and that's not inconsistent growth does not cause inflation and and uh, recessions don't cause disinflation. In the same way, we can have unit sales of houses go down while prices of houses still go up because the tide is carrying them higher. That takes us to error number 3. And error number 3 is a perceptual error. And again, this is getting into this is getting into the really really fun stuff. You know, we are accustomed to We think in nominal space, which means we think in terms of the price that we see in dollar terms. We don't think about it, we don't think in in inflation adjusted prices. And and partly that's because we've been trained to do so over 25 years. I I said recently in a column, I said, you know, it's we have two percent glasses on. We see everything in the context of a world that for 25 years. Inflation was at 2%. And so you could more or less ignore it. Money supply growth was low. Uh, You could pretty much ignore it. And and so now when you see something like a 14% rise in home prices, you're like, oh my God, that's crazy. That looks like a 12% real rate of growth. Except it's not a 12% real rate of growth. Okay. 14% now with inflation at 8% is the same as Eight percent home price growth when inflation was at two—it's the same thing. It's a it's a six percent expansion in the real value of that home, and so you can't just look at that fourteen percent number in a vacuum and say that's high or low. You have to look at it relative to inflation, and that's something that we are just totally out of practice with. And by the way, it's kind of akin to, um, you know, Americans and the way that Americans think of foreign exchange. If you go to Europe. And this is less true now because you know most of Europe is you know, uses the euro, but people naturally think in terms of foreign exchange. they naturally you know understand when the the pound uh, sterling is getting stronger or weaker relative to euro. you know they kind of know how to do that math in their heads. and Americans don't do that very often, so it's you know we we're not in great practice but but that's exactly what's happening when you're looking at inflation you're when you're doing the conversion between nominal prices. And real prices, okay, this price today is eight percent higher than it was last year. Oh, that's really unchanged because we have eight percent higher prices overall. You know, the, the the value of the the dollar as a unit is eight percent lower. So a price that's eight percent higher today is just reflecting that. And so that's a foreign exchange. That's a that's a a conversion there that we we have ignored for a long time. And now we have to go about learning again. And I just think that's, I think that's, that's, that's fascinating. Is 14% too fast for home prices, even with inflation at 8%? Yeah, probably. I mean, I would expect home price uh, growth to slow a lot. Um, It may even go down to the level of inflation. It may even go down below the level of inflation. Um, But, but that's not, it's not as crazy as you think because you're thinking with this, with this backdrop of 2% glasses. So, um, like I say, this is all fascinating stuff to me, but I, it's, it's wonderfully, it's wonderfully instructive now to get numbers like this and, and to break down why it is that we have these certain reactions and why those reactions may not be kind of the rational you know the the truly rational reactions if you actually really look at the fact that the price level is changing, and I think that that is a it's an important context for almost everything we do. It, it's an important context when you get a two percent raise at work or a four a five percent raise at work, and that used to be a great raise, and now you look at a five percent raise at work and you're like, yeah, but my prices went up eight percent, so my cost of living went up eight percent, so it's actually a, a pay cut. You know, we have to get used to thinking in those terms a little bit more. And, of course, with wages, you know, we, we're, quicker to, we're quicker to make that adjustment mentally. But um, anyhow, um, so that's all I want to say about, about housing and 2% glasses and uh, tides and waves today. Thank you for tuning in. As I said up top, I really appreciate all the cards and letters, uh, metaphorically speaking. You can contact me uh, at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. As I said, you can follow my blog at mikeashton.wordpress.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at inflation underscore guy. And you can download the Inflation Guy mobile app. Uh, I recently started writing a a, uh, a column exclusively for investing.com. You can go over and, and look at that. They're not paying for advertising, but what the heck, I'd like you to follow me there, too. Uh, and you can visit enduringinvestments.com most importantly never forget defend your money if inflation is coming for you remember you know a guy